Yesterday we had the celebration of um, Andrew and Lauren's wedding and um, I thought I'd just bring a couple of pics to you from the wedding so that um, you can just see what a great occasion it was. It was a union of of two hearts that I believe God has purposed to get to bring together um, for his glory and we're going to see what will grow out of that as time goes on and it's to see, um, you know, Andrew and Lauren, you know, just committing themselves um, in, with the marriage covenant to love each other and to love God was, was just an amazing day. But, um, you know, I was thinking about weddings and the next part of this chapter in Ephesians that we're going to look at talks about relationships. And I was thinking about a wedding is actually a picture of many amazing relationships. Um, we have, you know, father and daughter, parent and child relationships. At a wedding you see you know, the full gamut of relationships. We see the relationship of mates, of, uh, you know, mates who just do life together. And um, through thick and thin, they do life together. We see the relationship of husband and wife as they um, journey as one together in life. And that's um, another relationship that makes our lives rich. Of course, then we have all the relationships there, you know, sisters, brothers, friends, um, parents, child, husband, wife, the lot, you know, they're all there. And, um, you know, girlfriends, they love doing life together. And so it's great that um, the girls can come together and do, do life together as well. So in, in our life, God has given us rich relationships and they're great and we enjoy them. We love being a part of relationship. And, you know, if we live in relationships the way that God wants us to, then I believe that we're going to demonstrate the wisdom of God. And that will be something that will help others to understand who he is. Graham brought an incredible message to us last week about um, marriage and the importance of that relationship. And in that relationship, he was talking about submission and love and sacrifice. And I think the qualities that underlie a marriage, as the qualities I'm going to look at today in other relationships, they're really an expression of the gospel message. And so that gospel message is life-changing, life-giving, and uh, so that will be what it will be for our relationships if we um, allow these qualities to be demonstrated and expressed. And so today I'm going to, if we look at chapter 6, Paul focuses on some particular relationships, that's children and parents, and on slaves and masters. And I think that Out of these relationships, we can draw some great understanding of the qualities of relationship. And while I'm not going to specifically uh, go into speaking a lot about child and parent and uh, slave and master relationships, what I see in these relationships are what I think we can can help enrich our lives. And they are the qualities of honour, of obedience, of honesty and of justice. Now, it's interesting for us to be able to understand these verses. You've got to remember, I think right back at the beginning when we started Ephesians, and I think I was on that particular Sunday, I just gave you an overview of the book of Ephesians, and I explained to you that this was written as a letter. It wasn't written like we read it as chapters in a a book. It was written as one whole letter. So we've actually got to sort of still keep in our minds the message of the whole letter to understand every part. And so if we go back to 
how we annotate it as Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. I just want to look at this because I think this will help us to understand about the qualities that we need to demonstrate to live in our relationships. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now, Jess spoke a lot about this a couple of weeks ago. But we can't get away from it when we're thinking about relationships. We still need the Spirit to renew our thoughts and attitudes. And we need to put on our new nature in our relationships, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So in our relationships, we need to renew our thoughts and attitudes. Because we can sort of get into a rut with relationships and just go on and on and, we, and things actually gradually deteriorate over time if we don't renew our thoughts and attitudes about them. So how do we do this? How do we you know, really renew our thoughts and attitudes? Well, let's look to Romans 12, 1 to 2 and this really tells us how we do it. And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. Another version says by renewing your mind changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's two key parts to that. One is that you have to basically sacrifice yourself to to God and then let him change the way that you think. Because I find in my daily uh, walk, my relationships, that I can easily um, start to think a certain way. And once that happens, then I'll think another, you know, that sort of makes me think, of, you know, like, um, you know, it takes this certain path of thinking. And then once I'm on that path, it just keeps going. And if I don't stop and really analyse and think, what are you, why are you thinking like that? Why is that your attitude to that person? Then I can sort of become in a downward spiral very quickly in my attitudes towards people. And of course, we, we need to then, if we're going to stop ourselves from doing that, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to renew us, to renew, to change the way that we think. And if we look to Jesus, he's our best example of that. He will show us how we should live in our relationships every day. So I want to look at the four um, qualities that I mentioned before. The first one is honour. Now, it does talk in Ephesians about children obeying your parents to honour your father and your mother. And so that's an example of what, what God is calling that children should honour their father and mother. Little children and us as older children, we should honour our father and mother. And Jesus is the best example of honouring his father. He listened to his father and he did what he said. I was thinking about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he went to the cross. You know, that would have been a time that would have been very difficult when you knew that before you, your father was asking you to walk this path that was beyond difficult, beyond what I would see, I would see it as impossible. 
And yet here we have a son kneeling down and saying to his father, honouring him completely, not your will, but mine. You know, I'd be there saying, God, I don't want to do this. Why should I have to go and give my life for all the people? You know, I've never done anything wrong. Why should I have to die? Why should I have to suffer? That's not fair. But Jesus, he did say, is it possible that there's any way, that there's another way than dying on the cross? And then he said, but not your will, but mine be done. He, he aligned himself to his father's um, you know, way for his life. And in doing that, he honoured his father. I think that sort of honour requires transformed thinking. You know, to be able to come be into, to face situations with that approach, that's not easy. That's not something that we can do by ourselves. I couldn't do that. I would find that very difficult to do. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, with his help, helping us to think in the right way, to change the way that we naturally think, because that just is who we are. We're human after all. But if we want to have the way... That, you know, behave the way, think the way in relationship that God wants, then we need to allow him to change our thinking. Now, if we read that com- um, commandment or the, in Ephesians, it talks about a commandment from Exodus which says, honour your father and your mother. And it's, this commandment comes with a promise. It says, honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Life flows from honour. Life flows from honour in your relationships. And Paul, of course, uses honouring parents as an example, but he wants us to do it in all our relationships with one another, in all those different relationships in which we've involved because it brings life and dishonouring does the opposite. I want you to look at this film clip for a moment. It's a great example of honour. In Les Mis, it, look, it was such a, it's a great, it's, it can be done. It's about where the, um, the man steals the silver and then, I don't know if you can find it. But anyway, this, pardon? <laughs> sure. Anyway, uh, Jean Valjean was um, in the priest's house and he's, um, He's in that house and he's, he's got nothing. He's hungry and uh, the priest had taken him in though, which was a really good thing. He was in a, really had been escaped as a convict and, um, and so in that house he uh, is looked after by the priest and during the night he goes in and he takes, he finds the silverware of the house and there's all this silverware and um, he, he gets a sack and he puts all the silverware in the sack and just as he's about to sort of gather it together he knocks something and he wakes the priest and the priest comes down to the to the he says is anyone there and then he turns around and he sees Jean Valjean and he um he says what are you doing and uh what what Jean Valjean does which is after the priest has given him shelter and food he just uh slaps him across the face and then escapes with the 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 priest is knocked to the ground and he escapes with the silverware. A little while later, the police bring back Jean Valjean to um, the, pri- the, priest's ha- the 
yeah, the police bring back Jean Valjean to the priest's house. And he said, we found this man and he's stolen your silverware. And he's telling us some story about the fact that um, you have given it. In the meantime, the, the lady who's in, in the priest's house is saying, you know, we've got to get that man. We've got to get him back and he's got to pay for this. And he's going to be, you know, suffer as a result of taking this from you and, and hurting you the way you have because the priest has sort of, you know, got a, you know, scarred face from where he'd sort of punched him. And uh, the police, and then the priest comes over to the police and, and um, he says to them after the police have said, well, this man's saying you, t- you said that he could have it. And he said, yes. The priest said, I gave him that as a gift. And he said, but Jean Valjean, why didn't you take this candlesticks as well? I told you to take it all. And he goes and he gets the candlesticks and he puts them in the sack. And he says, now you go and bless you, my son. Well, the police are flawed because there's nothing they can do now. And they walk out, the police, and then the priest just says to Jean Valjean, you go. And God bless you. And that's the end of that scene. Honour, when you bring honour to someone, it's not because of what they've done. It's because of who they are or who they can be. And what we need to look at in our relationships with people is it's very easy to to honour people when they're good to us or we like what they do. But when they don't, we become resentful. Or even bitter. And honour is finding that in that person, that potential, the good that's within that person and trying to draw it out. And when we honour people, it has great lasting and lasting positive effects. And of course, for Jean Valjean, he went out from there and his life was transformed because of that priest. It's a, it's a most powerful story of forgiveness and honour. And that's the way Jesus looks at us. He looks at us and, you know, he didn't have to die. But he saw within us a potential, a potential that could rise up within us and bring life and hope into this world. We don't always live. You know, if he looked at the way we live sometimes, he'd sort of think, you know, it could, why would I do that? But he looks beyond the way we behave. He looks to who we are and he wants to draw that out of us. And so he honoured us by giving his life for us. And so just f- let's just think about a few times in relationships when we have situations. I just want to think about it with, a re- with an unrenewed mind or a renewed mind. For instance, what about when someone hurts you? I'm sure that there'd be no one here this morning that hasn't been hurt in a relationship of some, in some way. How do we act? Well, with an unrenewed mind... We just think, you know, you've hurt us and we want to tell other people about how they've behaved and say, did you know that this person did this? Just, what are they like? You know, and, and we want other people to think badly of them as well. And we want people to, to um, we want them to get hurt because they've hurt us. And then bitterness and resentment builds up. But, you know, we're called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And what that means, we have to sacrifice our desire to get even. We have to sacrifice our need to try to get others to think badly of them too. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to change the way we think about them. And so honouring requires transformed thinking. 
instead of focusing on myself and how much it's impacted me, we've got to think about maybe there's something within them that needs love and care. What's, what's driving them to hurt others in that way? It's a whole different way of thinking. What about when someone makes a decision that we don't agree with and it's going to have a negative impact on us? We think, well, I'm not going to do that. They're not going to make me, you know, beha- you know have to do that. And we, we have an attitude that, like, no way. That's unrenewed thinking. But, you know, if we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we actually, actually have to sacrifice our desire to do it our way. We actually have to think, okay, well, this time I can't do it my way. And we have to honour them by, even although we don't agree, to honour them and say, well, I'm going to value that they will be trying to make the best decision they can and I'm going to honour them in what they're doing and, and so follow them. Of course, not if it's, you know, breaking the law or something like that. We wouldn't do that. Or what about when um, someone's behaviour brings harm to someone else? particularly someone that we love. Sometimes that can stir us up the most. We're we're loyal people and we don't want to see our loved ones hurt. And so therefore we start thinking, you know, and then we we hope that they'll get, you know, their comeuppance for what they've done. We hope that they'll have to pay for what they've done. We're glad when we see that happen. But, you know, if we want to have transformed thinking or a renewed mind in our approach to relationships, we have to actually sacrifice our desire to, sit, to, you know, to see them pay for what they've done. And we have to honour them by trying to find the gold within them and bring, drawing it out of them. And, you know, this is only made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We can't do this. We're human and we need the power of God at work in us, allowing us helping us to change the way that we think. And you know, when we do that, honouring gets rid of competition, it gets rid of feelings of insecurity, or, you know, it, it stops us having to feel like we have to be in control. And when we do that, it brings freedom. It truly releases us. And it helps us to be free to be the people that God has called us to be. You know, when Jesus honoured people... People didn't see it as politically correct. In fact, they thought that, you know, that he should spend time with dishonourable people like tax collectors and prostitutes and thieves and lepers was despicable. And they spoke out, the religious people mostly spoke out against these people. But Jesus honoured them by showing them love and placing value on people where society didn't place value on them. He didn't honour them because they deserved it. He honoured because of who they were and because of the love that God has for them. So honour is something that we need to have in our relationships one with another. The second thing it talks about there is children obey your parents. Parents, we love this one, don't we? When the children have to obey us because God says so. And... um, the children, most of the younger children, they're all out at kids' church, so I didn't think I'd go into a big message about children obeying their parents. So uh, I was just thinking about obedience. Obedience is not a, a word that we love that much. And, um, you know, the, the unrenewed mind thinks about obedience in this way. Like it's just a list of do's and don'ts. 
I don't want to have to do something. Like I feel like I'm in bondage of I've got to have to do something that someone else wants me to do. But it was very interesting. When I looked up the Greek for obedience, I really could see a renewed mind attitude to that. The Greek for obedience is hupakuo, which means listening under. Now just come with me for a bit longer. The opposite of that, which means disobedience, means uh, the Greek word for that is parakuo, which means listen around. So obedience means listen under, and parakuo, disobedience, means listen around. And I thought about that, and I thought, how does that line up with obedience? And what I believe it means is that when we listen under the direction of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to be able to live our life in the best way possible. And if we listen under the direction of the Holy Spirit, we're going to know how to live out our relationships one with another. When we listen around to the voices of others, it's very easy then to to start to get misled and to start to have different opinions. When we listen around to the voices of the world, then it's harder to have a renewed mind on things. And then we can get confused and end up in disobedience. So why God calls children to obey their parents, what he's saying to them is, come listen under the direction of your parents. Because I'm entrusting them to your care. I believe that if they fulfill their calling as parents, then they're going to be able to lead you in the best way possible. If you listen under their direction, you're going to have the best life possible for you. That's what he's saying to children. But if you listen around to the voices of your peers, if you listen around to social media and television and all these sorts of things, you're going to hear messages that are not going to help you in your life. You're going to get confused and messed up and you're going to end up in a place you won't want to be. So that's what God is saying. He's saying, children, listen under the direction of your parents. Don't listen around to the things of the world. And he's saying the same for us in our relationships. Listen under the direction of of, uh, the Holy Spirit. Don't listen around to what other people are saying. They're saying, oh, you shouldn't put up with that. Why should you put up with that sort of behavior or that attitude? And immediately you feel, yeah, why should I? And so you begin to align yourself with what other people are saying, but you listen under the direction of the Holy Spirit and he'll tell you how to think and how to feel and how to be and that will change everything and that will change the outcome of of your relationship every time. Jesus did that. He came under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. In Hebrews 5.8 he says, He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. He came under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He listened to God and what he asked of him. He came under that, the direction of the Holy Spirit and was obedient. Not just merely obeying laws, not just doing a list of do's and don'ts, but trusting God that God has the best plan for our lives. And if we listen to what he's saying, then we're going to see that outworked. The next thing is honesty. So we've got honour, obedience, honesty. Now this is about servants. I just want you to listen to this section. It says, Servants are to reverence those over them. They are to be sincere, not pretending obedience when they mean to disobey, but serving faithfully. And they must serve their masters not only when their master's eye is upon them, 
but must be just as diligent in fulfilling their duty when he is absent and out of the way. You know, the unrenewed mind is more concerned about outward appearance. You know, these days it's about, you know, how good you look in a relationship with someone on social media. And, you know, you can put up, a, you can put up great photos, but what is the truth of the relationship? It's about doing the right thing when people are watching. You know, the unrenewed mind thinks as long as I do it while people are watching, it doesn't matter what I do when they're not. You know, being nice to people when others are around, but when then other people aren't watching, then just ignoring people. Saying one thing to a person's face, but talking about them behind their back. It's so easy to do that. Busy when the boss is around, but taking long lunch breaks and doing personal jobs when he's out of the office. Thinking it's okay to tell a lie, a white lie, that who's that going to hurt? In fact, if it, you know, if it makes the other person better, if it, they feel better, then surely that's okay. So here's a young boy wanting, wishing that his father would not lie. And uh, as you go on in this, this story, it's just a, a film, but you see the father come back and he's it, like, it, you know, just start, he has to start telling the truth in every situation. And it's funny, it's humorous. But um, he gets to his son when he's realizing how difficult this is. And, uh, he's, and he starts, you know, he says to them, you know, look, son, I know, I know that you made this wish and I'm sorry that I couldn't be at your birthday party. And, uh, you know, but honestly, you've got to unwish this. I can't do this. You know, you can't keep on going around telling the truth all the time. People just get upset. And so he said, you know, you've got to unwish it. You know, you've got to understand. You know, sometimes he says, you know, when, you know, when your mother was pregnant and she was like 20 kilos overweight. And he said, I couldn't say to her, you know, you look like you look really fat. He said, you know, I just had to say, oh, look, you look, you look lovely. You look flourishing. And, uh, you know, and so you have to understand sometimes adults just have to tell lies. And so, you know, the little boy tries really hard to unwish it. And his father puts the party hat on and puts the cake back in front and the candles. And, you know, he says, now, remember, you make a wish. And, you know, he, he, he tries to make a wish. He blows it out. And, and so the father goes over then because, you know, to try to tell this lady and, uh, something. And next minute she slaps his face, so obviously it hasn't worked. And the son comes back. And he comes back to his son. It hasn't worked. What did you do differently? He said, oh, he said... Probably it's because when I made the first wish, I really wanted it to happen. I really wanted you to have to tell the truth. And when I made it this time, I really didn't want to say that you didn't have to tell the truth. You know, in our relationships, honesty is so important. And dishonesty has an incredible detrimental effect on our relationships. And so with a renewed mind, we need to honour people by being honest in our relationships. And that's the way that we will honour God. And so we have to, you know, if we're going to be honest, then we have to think about, you know, we've got to be honest about something, then we've got to really think about how we behave in the first place before we have to, you know, be honest. It's challenging. But, you know, if we live our relationships, all of our relationships, husband, wife, parent, child, friends, out that way, then it's going to change the quality of our relationships. You know, Jesus didn't dist himself from hypocrites, but he distanced himself from hypocrisy. He didn't try and twist or manipulate the truth. In fact, Jesus is the truth. And we need to ask him, 
to be truth in our lives so that we can live our relationships out honestly. Time's gone, so I don't want to keep going. The final one is justice. I just think it's important that in our relationships that we include the excluded. That we are not fitting in with cultural norms just to be accepted, but rather we will challenge that. Jesus did. You know, women were the lowest of the low, but he went out of his way to reach out to women. Children were put aside, but he loved children. He ministered to lepers. And there's lots of things in our society that it's easy just to just think that's what we do in society, but we have to challenge that if we're going to be just and display justice in our relationships with people. Jesus stood up for justice so that he would confront the powerful and advocate for the oppressed. And I believe today when David was challenging us for those children, that's advocating for the oppressed. And he calls us to do that. And we have the capacity. As people living in Australia, we have the capacity to do that. And so I believe in, we need to live out in justice in our relationships. So today, as you go from this place, you'll all be experiencing different relationships today, tomorrow and into the future. What I say to you, let the Holy Spirit change the way you think. Let him renew your mind about how you think about things. And think about, in your relationship, is it honouring? Are you honest? Do you listen under the direction of the Holy Spirit rather than just listening to all the people around you? as you live out your, your relationships each day? Are you just in the way that you deal with people? And if we are, then truly we will be the church. We will be light in a dark world and will demonstrate the wisdom of God. Let us pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you that you call us to live in a way that is um, transformed. And we know, God, that we can't do that by ourselves. Our natural human instincts just don't always respond that way. But we know also, God, that that's the best way to live and that you have given us your Holy Spirit so that you will help us. You will help us to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. You will help us to outwork this in our relationships so that they can be the best possible relationships and that they will bring glory to you and they will bring light into a dark world. And when people expect certain attitudes, God, you will help us to be different and people will think, why are they that way? And it will help them to think about the difference that you make in our lives. So God, help us to listen to your word. Help us to respond and to be obedient to what you are calling us to be in our relationships one with another. And God, I believe this morning there's probably people here who have been hurt in relationships, whatever they be. And there's probably healing that is needed. And I pray they will open their hearts to you and receive from you healing so they can be whole and go forward and be the people that you've called us to be in our relationships one with another. Please help us, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.